This episode of Take It to the House is brought to you by Mesa Trophies and Plaques. Now, take it to the house. I'm Dr. C. Victor Herbin III, and I'm taking it to the house. And I'm Dr. Timothy Hoover. Welcome to another episode of Taking It to the House. I'm Dr. Jania Hoover, and my opening thoughts relate to um, a situation with the quarterback from, or the former quarterback for the Washington football team, um, Dwayne Haskins. And short version of the story, he had uh, some off the field issues last week. He was uh, at a strip club with uh, out of mass. So that was a little bit of controversy. Then he started the game on uh, Sunday, ended up getting pulled for uh, the backup to the backup Heineke. And then a couple of days later, they cut him. So my issue is not with him being cut. You know, you can't mess up. You know, you can't make bad decisions off the field and then not perform on the field and think that you're going to stay in the professional football league. So no issues there. My issue is with one particular line of criticism that I've seen that is likening his performance with his race. So there was one particular comment that was made that, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, when you see these young players making bad decisions and went directly into 70% of the league is black, as if to say that uh, Haskins making these bad decisions was tied to the fact that he was, that he's black. And I just don't agree with that. I don't like that line of reasoning. I think that especially now more than ever with you know, Black Lives Matter and um, this really racial reckoning that we're facing right now, words mean things. And while 70% of the NFL players are Black, the fact that Haskins is Black had no bearing on his performance um, on the field, on his decisions that he made. We're not saying the same thing about Patrick Mahomes. We're not saying that the same thing about Lamar Jackson in terms of their uh, race, you know, having a factor or playing a role in their performance when they're doing well. So we need to make sure that we're not doing that when they're um, not making good decisions either. Tim, what you got? I just want to follow up with that. Um, so Dr. Janiel Hoover was talking about the comments, the criticism coming from a booger McFarland, an ESPN analyst. Please Google this, his comments and his criticism. And he painted a broad brush, really, about all black, young black um, players, how they come into the league and don't work on their craft to being best as they can be in their particular position. So I say, Booger, being a black man yourself, be very, very careful with the words that you choose, because this is not a black problem. And you painted and pointed out that it, it sounded like very much that it is a black problem. This is not a black problem. This is a generational problem. The other thing that I want to tell you, Booger, you heard of Art Schleister, Johnny Manziel, Brian Leaf, poor decisions on the field, off the field. Art Schleister had to serve some prison time because of what he was doing off the field, gambling. And so I say, no, it's not just a Black thing, Booger. Please, please, on the platform that you have and the people that you that are listening to you, please be very, very careful in painting that broad brush, especially when it comes to our African-Americans, brothers, sisters, the race in whole, as a whole, because I'm a little sensitive and you should be as well. Dr. Herbin, 
What say you, sir? Thanks for this topic. You know, I'm reminded January 31st, 1988, Denver Broncos versus the Washington Redskins at that time. Hmm. What was so significant about that, other than the fact that I was 11 years old, is that that's the first time I actually saw a black quarterback, Doug Williams, who went to an HBCU, Grambling State University in Louisiana. Why did I bring that up? That was 32 years ago. And the big knack on black quarterbacks during that time period was that they had the intellectual capacity to play football. And over those next five to seven years, I was able to watch at such a young age, Doug Williams, Randall Cunningham, Warren Moon. Those are the three black quarterbacks I was able to watch, but always be compared to their white counterparts, the Troy Aikmans, the Jim Kellys, the Dan Marinos. And it always came down to some, well, they got the physical agility to play the position, but I don't know about the mental. There's always some knack. And now here it is, 32 years later, we have a, a many black quarterbacks that are phenomenal in the pocket and on the run. So for Boogie McFarlane, to take us a step back from where black quarterbacks had had a hard time getting into the league and you take a step back to, to, to relate performance to conduct, that's unfair. That's really unfair. And I'm ashamed to hear that. And then he even doubled down on his, con on his comment. So again, we're in 2020, two more days is 2021. And we see the year of the black quarterback. We see the year of the mobile quarterback. When again, 25 years ago, it was so, it's such an anomaly just to watch Randall Cunningham do that. So shame on you, Booger. Uh, very, very disappointed. But my burn actually is about Stan Van Gundy. We're talking one hand about Booger McFarland, a black man, criticizing Dwayne Haskins and his decision making and relating that to performance. Yet we have a white man and Stan Van Gundy, head, head coach of New Orleans, uh, New Orleans Pelicans who is a staunch advocate for social activism. The challenge with Black Lives Matter or even LGBT or any of it's the it's a matter of empathy, respect, humility. Can you see the issue through my lens? Stan Van Gundy is, is a staunch advocate again, where he has talked about white privilege. He talked about how he has benefited from white privilege. And because he understands the system, he says the only way to combat racism is us as white people to bring it out and fight it together. Fight it alongside our black, brown uh, brothers and sisters. So a big kudos to him to take that step where when we look at Black Lives Matter, we look at social activism, look at social injustices, it's the responsibility of us as American citizens, but it's also the responsibility of white Americans to say, wow, I do see there's an issue. May not agree on all the issues, but do you see and can you empathize for some of the Americans that are experiencing some significant issues and saying, I have to find a way to combat it. So kudos to Stan Van Gundy as a leader in a very, very culturally diverse city of New Orleans. So to take that mantle and, and lead it with uh, Zion Williamson, kudos to him. He gets my leadership award of the week. Nice, nice. So <clears throat> looking at... Um, those issues related to Haskins and the NFL and, and uh, Van Gundy with the NBA. Um, I want to kind of expand that and look at where we are in the NBA. You know, we're a week in to the season. We've had some teams that have, I think most of the teams have played four games. So you've got some that are undefeated. Um, 
And then you've also got some that are not, you know, the Lakers, our team, they're, they're 500. So are we panicking? Are we, are we buying that the magic and the Hawks are the best right now? Or is it just, this is one week and, and, you know, where are we going to go from here? Thank you. Um, the NBA started on the 22nd of December. So today being the 30th, we've been a week in and the, the Lakers in particular are about to play their fifth game in a week. Significant because 72 days ago, or maybe just a little bit longer, they ended their season. So the Lakers, the Miami Heat, justifiably so, maybe a little tired, a little bit worn out. And any other team that lasted and stayed in the NBA or in the bubble and played long into the playoffs can be a little bit tired. So your question or what is your what is my takeaway? My takeaway is the bad teams are still going to be bad. Those who lasted very long are going to be challenged, especially in this early part of this particular season, because everything to me has been thrown off. The NBA professional players, professional athletes in general are creatures of habit and their whole schedule has been thrown off. A couple other points. T uh, the Toronto Raptors, just a couple of years ago, they won the NBA championship, but now they're 0-4. And I actually feel sorry for the Toronto Raptors. The reason why I bring them up is because they're in Toronto. No, they're not. They're playing and home base now is in Tampa. Why? Because the Canadian government said, no bueno with COVID. Nobody's playing sports in the Canada. So they had to transplant. No, they're not in a bubble. They had to relocate. So they're not at home with the comforts of home to decompress after a game. They actually had to relocate to Tampa and play their home games in Tampa and then act as though everything is normal. So they're 0-4, but 0-4 for a reason. So the rationale, they're still a good team, but they did play a little bit longer in the, bub in the bubble as well. But that 0-4 is not necessarily a true 0-4. And the other team that I want to speak of is Dr. Hoover, Jania, said, keep your eye on the Atlanta Hawks. Look at them. My goodness, Atlanta Hawks are doing things really well, with really big. And so I'm going to keep an eye on the Atlanta Hawks. I will, because Dr. Hoover, I heard it from a little birdie, that little birdie being Dr. Hoover said, watch out for them. But the last thing I'll say, one of my takes is it's still early in the season. And so no panic for those who are old and whatever. And, no, and anybody that's undefeated, it's still early uh, the, 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 the NBA will settle itself. The cream usually does rise to the top. What do you say, Vic? Thanks, Tim. Yeah, I, when I look at the week, it was great basketball. Uh, yes, of course, last week our biggest challenge was what happened in Houston and the COVID outbreak. So to understand that there was no COVID impact throughout the last couple of days is, is phenomenal. So when I look at the season, yes, I'm not getting uh, too excited. It's great to see Lakers have balanced it out at 500. They did take an L on the first uh, day of the season, but we lost to the Clippers last year and we won the championship. So, but it's great just to watch basketball. It's great to see teams that we were not able to see last year perform in the last week. So uh, I'm not taking any uh, who's going to win the championship type thing right now, other than the fact that we know Lakers will do it. But I am fascinated to watch how the Bucks have formed their big three. Uh, we'll be talking about Middleton. Giannis and then Drew Holiday. I like watching what KD and Kyrie are doing. That's been exciting basketball. 
And what they did to the Golden State Warriors on that first night, thumping a hole in their head, that was quite impressive. But like you talked about, it all balances out. They took a couple L's. So it's still exciting to watch some of these players we were not able to watch last year due to their injuries. So to see how they're starting to gel. And to the other point, it is early. So there's teams who have rust since last playing in March or April and teams who need the rest who last played in October. So as they start balancing themselves out, it'll be interesting to see. And I'd probably give it another 30 to 45 days since they have so many games back to back. By late January, early February, I expect to see a lot of that cream rise to the top. But again, I my 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 pick, if I will say, is the Lakers, obviously. And I'm really interested in the East, uh, just based off of early uh, eyeball test. It is again, it's exciting to see what the Brooklyn Nets have been able to do. I want to um, stay on this NBA topic just for a little bit because you mentioned there is no COVID-related issues. Um, that we heard of. So for, you, for those of you that didn't know, uh, Houston and the OKC last week had to cancel a game because of COVID. But so we had not heard of any COVID-related issues or anybody being placed on the injured reserve because of COVID-related issues. But recent article on basketball players or athletes in general, I think it came out of Ohio State. You may not have COVID, but what are you living with? And we've been talking about this for a couple weeks now. What are you living with? So Heart problems. I am concerned about heart problems leading to a, a, a shorter lifespan because of these athletes. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm scared on, in that aspect. But the testing, the protocols must be in place. We did, if we didn't have or hear of any other problems with any other teams, maybe there's a greater compliance. I salute you guys if you're doing that. Adam Silver, I may have to apologize to you, but the, well, the jury's still out because and, and owners and GMs and leadership for these respective teams and to you players. If there's no COVID-related issues, are you lucky or are you just being diligent and being very, very mindful of the environment that we're in? So I'm praying that it's a little bit of the combination, but more of the latter is that you're just being more diligent, conscientious of where you're at, who you're socializing with, keeping your bubbles or your social bubbles very small. Like, like Dr. Herbin said, like Vic said, I love the game. I love when we're at full strength and you're playing a highly competitive game. So please, please do your part. And maybe, and maybe we'll get through the season uh, unscathed. Yeah. I think that COVID piece is interesting to watch because yes, it is only the first week. Uh, they look like they escaped the bullet, but it will be interesting how they start uh, piecemeal and stuff as we get further along in the season, only because I don't understand or they didn't share what the impact was that canceled OKC game in Houston. So what are they really going to do? And so I, I'm interested how Adam Silver is going to proceed. But as we start looking at what teams look strong, that is another opponent coaches and management has to deal with is the COVID piece. You know, if you are in the middle, and we know a lot of basketball is a game of runs and a game of momentum. If you're on a three-game winning streak, but then you hit a COVID, what does that do to your playoff chances? What does that do to your seed? What does that do to yeah. gelling? Again, we're talking about rust yeah. and rest, but then you throw this COVID piece, you knock the team out for two weeks. What rest and what rust has now impacted them to get back in? So it will be interesting how they start bringing that together. The other piece you made about the COVID, unlike the other sports, this is the second season basketball has within the COVID environment. And, and sorry, also hockey. So we start looking at the long-term implications. When someone like a Rudy Gobert, 
was one of the first players to be tested and test positive. He finishes the season last season, and now here it is, he starting another season. So what are those long-term implications or impacts that we don't know? But this now starts a new trend of a new season starting during a COVID environment. And the basketball teams and the hockey teams are the first professional teams that actually have a second season. So we'll be interested to see some of the long-term impact, uh, some of that stuff starts becoming revealed as we learn more about uh, the, this, this virus. The last takeaway that I have, uh, Dr. Hoover, is uh, for those fans who have been the Nets fans, the Atlanta Hawk fans, the Cleveland Cavalier fans, some of these teams that are doing very well, it gives them hope, you know, gives them a, a rooting interest and makes them want to, well, they can't come out yet and actually go to the games. We understand that because of the, this COVID environment that you have. But even the Knicks, you know, it just gets them excited. And having said that, the Nets with Kyrie Irving paired up with uh, uh, Durantula, Kevin Durant, they look they look like a beast out of the East. Uh, the only flaw that I see, they can score and they can score with anybody, but the only flaw that I see is just their defense. So I don't know if they will be able to come out of the East. Uh, and I know it's too early to make predictions, but they look look very good and unstoppable from an offensive standpoint. The last point I want to make with the NBA is the NBA family losing Tommy Heinsohn recently, Casey Jones, you uh, Celtic uh, loyalists. Uh, we just want to say we, I'm a Laker fan, and I want you to tell you is those two can be described in two words, winners and competitors. And they gave my Lakers fits back in the day. But I salute them uh, for their contributions to the NBA, and I suffer because of their loss. And the NBA family loses them because they were so knowledgeable. As I said, they were winners and they were competitive. And Casey Jones was a gentle giant. With the NBA in full swing, I'm sure we're all excited to see how things shake out. Um, I would love for the Lakers to be in the same position that they were in at the end of this season. But who knows? You know, we don't know how COVID is going to impact the season. We don't know what injuries are going to do. I mean, the Warriors are looking you know, completely different without Clay. You know, I'm sure that's not the biggest factor, but they really don't look the same. And it will be interesting to see how um, things play out. Switching gears, NFL, and we are headed to the last week of the season in terms of the regular season. And we're going to talk about the playoffs, but I think we'll just do that next week. My issue, my concern, my question is about tanking, okay? So most of y'all know I am a fan of the Atlanta Falcons. They have won four games. They've lost way more than that. Um, a lot of them they've lost in um, spectacular, and by spectacular, I mean terrible fashion. Um, they were in the game with the Kansas City Chiefs, just like they were with almost every other team that they've lost to. And my issue with tanking and my question, for me, I don't think that tanking is a, is a good thing. For those that don't know what tanking is, I'm just talking about losing games on purpose um, so that a team can have a higher draft pick or better draft position. So I don't think that that's ever a good thing. I don't think that losing on purpose is good. I don't think that there's any player or coach in the league that would advocate losing on purpose. Um, 
you know, when you, when you talk about trying to lose to get a better draft draft pick, you don't know what's going to happen with the with the pick that you have. A lot of the players, they might be in a contract year. They might have incentives. They're playing to win. But sometimes when I look on social media and I see so many people talking about tanking, I'm wondering, am I crazy? So what do y'all think about tanking, Victor? Am, am I the crazy one? No, I don't like it. I think it's, again, it, it goes back to the product. I'm sure that New York Jets had no intention of saying we want to lose every game just so we get Trevor Lawrence. And no one should feel bad about the Cincinnati Bengals trying to beat the brakes off of, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, just because they want to have an opportunity uh, to win versus, oh, I'm, they, they get criticized for, for winning and not losing so, so they get a better chance to get uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence or anybody that's a number one draft pick. So I think it's unfair because what happens now, this becomes the leadership dilemma. Here and there lies the problem. I got management looking at their draft board saying, how am I going to increase revenue? I got this much cat space coming up and we need to get these players. But you got a coach that's saying, I'm trying to at least win enough games that if I do get fired, that some other uh, another team recognizes me and what I can do for their franchise, as well as my, my coordinators, defense, offensive coordinator, special teams, because they want to have an opportunity to have a job and feed their family. And then you have the players, to your point, that have incentives that are trying to uh, make sure they have an opportunity to get a Pro Bowl, have an opportunity to get picked up as a free agent, or have some trade leverage. So you have three entities, but it seems like two of them are trying to win. And you got management saying, no, I need to lose. So how does that work? I think that's unfair. Uh, what they say, Herm Everett, you play to win the game. So what are we teaching them? What are we teaching kids and college students? So now you become a professional. Now because you got the dollars coming, now I have to make a decision between winning and making money, feeding my family versus losing. I think that's unfair. And it goes against the, the good ideal of competing and having the best product, putting your team in the best position to win. Because now as the coach or a coordinator that wants that head coaching job, is he now going to tank plays? He's not going to give the right play. So now i got to start questioning the integrity of the game. So I think it's very unfair because it starts bringing in unnecessary questions on the legitimacy and the quality of game we're watching. Can you say Greg Odom? How about Sam Bowie? The reason why I bring those names up, the Trailblazers picked those two over some Hall of Famers. Sam Bowie was picked before Michael Jordan back in the day. How'd that turn out? Portland Trailblazers, again, had a chance to get Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's not a Hall of Famer, but he's on his way. My point is, scouting department already has a, a hard enough job, but it's very difficult and it's not an exact science. And then you want to tank on top of all of this. You don't know what you're going to get with that first round pick. So you need to get it right. You really do need to get it right. So I don't believe in tanking. 76ers have done it. It's happening in the NFL. So the NFL and the NBA, it's prevalent. I don't believe in it because of that competitor, the players. I, I bet you they don't do it because they're playing for their job or their NFL life or their NBA life. I bet you the coaches are not tanking. Why? Because they may not be there the next year. And it's an evidence-based game. It's based on your wins and your losses, and they can't afford to lose. Adam Gase, for instance, up at the Jets, he won't be there if he does get the first-round pick or the Trevor Lawrence. In this case, he won't because they've won too much. I don't support tanking. 
I don't believe in tanking. The competitor in me mocks Knicks. Yes. No, I don't. I don't believe in it. Don't want it. I think it's bad for the game. Okay. Thank you. I just had to ask because I really, um, I'm in a lot of groups and I follow a lot of people in sports and it just keeps coming up. Like the Falcons were ahead um, against the Chiefs and then ended up losing and you can exchange the Chiefs for almost any other team that they played this year. But literally my timeline was hot with just, oh, I'm glad, good thing, good thing. Now we're gonna get this person or that person. So I'm glad that y'all gave uh, Voices of Reason because I really was thinking that I was crazy. So we are at that time. It is the end of our time here. I'm always excited to spend this time with my brothers, you know, brother slash cousin and uncle and being able to have these conversations. But my last take, it relates to how the playoff seating um, is, is determined in the NFL. Right now, the, um, the division winners, so there are four divisions in each conference, and the one that wins that division automatically gets into the playoffs. So that means no matter what your record is, if that team beat the other teams in that division, they get a spot into the playoffs. I understand why that rule exists. Um, you play the teams in your division twice, you play one, uh, uh, one division in the other conference, and then um, another conference you know, within, or another division within your conference. So I get all of that. My issue is when you have a division like the NFC East or the NFC Least, um, as they're playing this year, you have these teams that will have a spot in the playoffs, not having won more than four or five games. And the playoffs to me are about excellence. They're about rewarding those teams that have risen to the top. You know, they're the cream of the crop. They've, they've played better than everyone else. And, you know, the NFC East this year has not played like that at all for a variety of reasons. So to reward any of those teams with a spot in the playoffs just seems disrespectful to these other teams that have played much better. I do understand that there are arguments against, you know, making any changes, but it really seems unfair that anyone in the NFC East um, or the NFC least is allowed to um, play in the, in the playoffs after playing this way. So Tim, what's your last thought? On the 31st, about 12 o'clock, we're going to flip the calendar and it's going to be a new year. However, you can't flip COVID off. COVID will continue on. I'm asking you just to be diligent. Celebrate. Celebrate safely. Say your prayers. Hug your family. Make peace with one another. Love one another. But know that this is a problem that's going to go into the new year. I ask that you continue to be uh, mindful of it. This, this, this disease. And please be socially distanced, wear your mask, and love one another, but safely. At the end of the day, you said it. Um, we have a day and a half left until the 31st. And we have two days left until the first. Can 2020 just be over? That's what I'm celebrating the most. There, out of all the New Year's I've been able to celebrate, you celebrate for different reasons. This one is let's get out of this year. Let's just get out, control, alt, delete. 
Let's start fresh. Let's be healthy. As you stated, up. let's reconcile. Let's build upon. Let's just, just, let's just cancel out this year. It is time. So with that, I say, everybody, Happy New Year. Be safe. We have an outstanding show ready for you next year. We're going to keep on taking it to the house. Thank you for our supporters. Thank you for our fans. Thank you to our family. Thank you again. And please be safe. And a happy new year. So I want to jump back in. You guys mentioned the end of the year. And this is a time for people to think and plan and contemplate how this year went. And there's been a lot of that, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, 2020 was so terrible. And there's been a lot of pain. There's been a lot of sickness. There's been a lot of of changes. Um, But with that said, also think about what we've gained this year. You know, there are some very good things that are coming out of this year. There are some people that maybe wanted to be able to work from home and never had the option. And now they're going to have that option. Um, There are people that didn't have other things to do. And then now they've got buns in the oven. I know three friends that are having new babies next year. Uh, I had a new godchild that was born this year. So, you know, my family, including my cousin and uncle, who I'm, I'm, I'm here with you, uh, we started a family uh, check-in every week that we've been doing since March. That wasn't a thing. So while there were some things that weren't good about this year and some changes, and I spent holidays and birthdays in ways that I never thought I would, I am also thinking about those things that I gained. And and as I look to 2021, I challenge you also, think about what you want to keep as as we make this transition. Think about what you want to hold on to once we are able to get to some sort of normal. Happy New Year, and we'll see you next week. Y'all got me me fired up. Let's go another 30. Hey. NBA. Maybe it's the early takeaways. What, I mean, Jania, what was you looking at for NBA? For, for which part? Uh, oh, what to talk about? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Early takeaways, you know, um, anything that we're overreacting, you know, there are certain teams that haven't won at all, you know, some that are like 3 0, any surprises, anything that we're panicking about, we need to do it on camera. There is. <laughs> so then I'm good. That big juice bottle. That's another question. Mind your business. You passed out over there. <laughs> so this for a heads up for everybody I'm going to hit that Stan Van Gundy piece on my open up I'm Dr. Yes, Timothy I'm Hoover and yes, I'm taking it to the house <laughs> when Vic finally sit back now he looks like a little midget hold on let me well I think because like you I reposition when you guys are in ISO I can reposition, move around. I ain't got a lot of meat back here, so brother got to move. So, so it's like there's a light shining down on her. I like that. Wow, that's I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, heavenly. <laughs>
like this. It must be like this. Bloopers. Bloopers. Yeah. <laughs> um, y'all went from 71 to 49 in an hour. Man, was not prepared for that. Oh, Lord. That's why I, I came by here for the tour when I got But I'm ready to come up out of it a minute. These lights is burning. Y'all gotta hurry. Get <laughs> the sled up up in this camp. I'm Dr. C. Victor Herbin III, and I'm taking him to the house. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see the camera, so I was like, uh, do I stay? Okay, cool. Let me know.